Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 94. You've got Chris and Brian. And today we want to talk about the value proposition of buying a budget AR-15. Um, we realize that, you know, right now the market is highly distorted. Um, when come a week from now, after you listen to this, um, the market could either be headed back to normal or it could be in for a like really radical major even bigger distortion, uh, but we do want to talk today about, you know, buying that that budget AR, um, kind of what its purposes are, how to make it better, um, why you might want to just save some save some pennies up in the meantime and get a, a better rifle right from the get go. Absolutely, guys, we're 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 recording this about two weeks out from the 2020 Biden Trump shit show, um, so so that's you know that's what Brian's alluding to there. If, so if you're listening to this way into the future or somehow you went back in time with McFly and you're listening to it there, whatever, that's what's going on. Um, sorry, we can't tell you which one to bet on. Um, it, it been 16, vote on Trump, you'll make a lot of money. Uh, the odds were like 95 to, to, to 1 or something like that. Anyway, um, the, the, so we, one, one of the, a number of things that brought this to light, like Brian said, the market's crazy right now. Um, we, we have folks out there who the, the dollars of buying a good AR aren't necessarily the conversation, or maybe they are, um, but the availability of good quality guns versus some of the less quality guns. And, and this is not to say like, you know, like things that are just absolute trash guns. Um, these are guns that are, you know, maybe making a choice between a Smith M&P Sport 2, um, which is, is indeed for the most part a mil-spec gun with the exception of like a 4140 barrel that's nitrided rather than a 4150 barrel that's chrome-lined. Um, the Sport 2 is a solid gun. It could also be a conversation around something like a Colt 6920. Um, I won't get into the politics of Colt because we don't have time for me to explain to you how, how, how freaking shitty Colt is and how they've treated civilians over the last 30 years. Um, this, suffice it to say, though, they still make a quality AR I don't know if they're the same company they were 20, 30 years ago versus companies like Daniel Defense, Bravo Company, um, Barrett, uh, LWRC, um, LMT, and the market. The market is now has probably a dozen options that I think make a better gun than Colt. Colt's still riding the pony and riding the name. Having said all that, the reality check is that if you're going to buy a Colt 6920 and you, and you want to make it into a working tool nowadays – that working tool is going to include things like optics, flashlights, sling mounts, etc. Uh, 6920 still has sling mounts from 1972. Um, it still has a, a forend that doesn't give you any options for for you know the ability to change things out, put a light on, etc. Put a sling in a different location or do anything along those lines. Um, it, you know, so the, there's conversations around that that kind of value proposition, and that's what we're talking about. It's not. It's not, hey, don't, and I'm, I don't, I'm not going to name brands, but, you know, don't, don't go buy a crap box AR. It's, you can still buy a decent AR, but understand that, is it going to be worth it to put the money into it? So let's say that I should have prefaced all that by saying, if you already own an AR that's set up properly, now might not be the right time to buy another AR. If you've already got a good quality Daniel Bravo, LWRC, etc. gun, or your Colt is already set up the way you want it, um, you know, now might not be the right time to go buy another gun because if you find yourself with money in your pocket, burning a hole in your pocket, and you don't have good impulse control, uh, and, and, and the, the higher quality gun you want is not available, but you think to yourself, wow, I can just buy X at a lower price and then do whatever to it, assuming you can find X, A, and then B, at a lower price. 
you might end up paying Daniel Defense prices for a Smith Sport too if you're not careful or you don't, you know, or it just gets the better of you. So let's, you know, go kind of maybe front to back on the gun yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, <sighs> muzzle devices and all that stuff, that's going to be a, that's a silencer or a suppressor conversation or an efficacy conversation. And generally I look at, I look at muzzle devices on guns like sights on Glocks. I don't want them to put good ones on it because I'm probably going to throw them away and put what I want on it. Um, but going into the barrel and working backward from the barrel, um, are you, you know, are you getting that good quality barrel? You know, if you buy a Smith Sport 2, it, it's generally probably going to be a decent shooting gun to the mill spec. If you buy that Colt 6920, probably going to be a four, four and a half inch gun, something like that, maybe even a little better. Um, but are you going to want more out of it? Um, or are you going to want more longevity out of it if it becomes the, the training beast that you take to the range all the time is all of a sudden that, that mill spec barrel or that less than mill spec barrel going to hold up to rigorous training, especially if you're newer and you need to be involved in classes where you learn how to do two-man, four-man tactics or team tactics and stuff like that, where you're really going to burn some rounds through that barrel. Are you going to eat up that barrel prematurely and end up replacing it? And that's fine too. The barrel's a consumable item in a normal gun, in a normal mil-spec gun. When you get into a hammer forge barrel, probably not. And are you going to want to immediately chase more accuracy out of it and replace that barrel? Well, you've already lost that money, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, same conversation, uh, moving backward. Um, the gas block and the gas system, you know, if, if you, if you're going to throw it away and put an adjustable gas block on it, finding the gun with the adjustable gas block you want, you know, that might be better off again. That's cool to buy the gun and replace it. But are you going to, while you're in there tearing everything else apart, shouldn't you replace the barrel at that point? Shouldn't you put a free float four end on it at that point? And all those things are generally available from the higher end manufacturers that if you waited around a little bit longer or waited till this craziness passed, you might've been better off to do that. Um, Getting into like the whole thing with, you know, the gas block and stuff. uh, We've seen a number of guns with railed um, gas blocks that use M4 style hand yards, um, which in my opinion are just, it's 2020. Why people still make these? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, You can't like with that setup, um, if you want to free float the barrel, um, you've got to pull the gas block, which means you're completely rebuilding the upper. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. If you want to run backup iron sights, they'd better be made out of metal because your plastic ones will melt. And they better be the right height. If you yeah. have a lower level gas block, then you need a taller front sight. Um, you know, and you just get into all these weird things that which one do you have? And if this isn't something you do every day or you're not fairly tuned into, you may not recognize, so you go out and spend 120 bucks on a metal front sight and then find out it's the wrong height because you have a low rail front sight versus a high rail front sight. Who made it? What's the actual height, etc. And then, like you said, if you're going to switch stuff out, um, do you have the proper tools? Do you have the proper knowledge um, to be able to do things like line up the new gas block and dimple the barrel for the set screws so they don't move? Um, do you have the, do you have a jig or a drill press? Do you have the ability to indicate 180 degrees from the gas port so that when you slide on the new gas block, it ends up in the right place? So now you're getting into true gunsmithing issues or paying somebody to do it. Well, there's more money out of your pocket or there's the possibility of creating a gun. One of the biggest failures that I used to see out of Big Darby Creek at the range when guys would come in for classes with homemade guns, probably half of the failures involved gas blocks sliding off. You know, you get 500, 1,000, 1,500 rounds through the gun on a weekend. It gets hot, gets cold, gets hot, gets cold. Expansion, contraction, things of that nature. Um, and maybe they use blue Loctite on that screw and burn it off in the first mag dump. 
And there's, so there's a reality check around, you know, that's one of the things that fails when you rebuild the gun yourself. Do you know what you're doing? Do you understand the proper techniques and procedures to do that type of work on the gun? Never mind the fact that, you know, maybe you're also pulling the barrel to do that. And are you going to, you know, re-arrow shell the threads, triple torque it, and do all the things that you're supposed to do to the proper torque values and put it back together properly? I, you know, not just replacing a big chunky gas block that's kind of outdated. There's a lot more to it than that, if that makes sense. So, you know, definitely some things to kick around on, on the barrel and gas block end of things. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about when we say things like dimple the barrel and using a drill press to indicate the far side from the gas port, stop in and talk to us. Let's have a conversation around what you're looking at and what you're getting into. And, you know, we can kind of go into depth in that and show you, you know, on, on an example. It's, you know, a little bit tedious to do that uh, auditorily. So, yeah. Um, working back into the receiver, um, unless there's anything you want. Oh, well, the handguard. Let's talk yeah, about that for a second. Guards. Yeah, I mean, again, Colt 6920 <clears throat> was the gold standard. I, I would say, I think the gold standard uh, up until probably about 2005. I think really that value proposition changed with companies like Daniel Defense and Bravo Company. Barrett started making guns. Um, LWRC got, got rid of Paul and changed over to Land Warfare at some point in the 07, 09, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Um and not that their quality wasn't there, but they got good leadership and better service. Uh, but anyway, so, it, you know, we're looking at free float foreigns. Is a free float foreign a necessity? Nope. Um, does it unduly complicate the gun? Nope, it sure doesn't. Um, does it give you the advantage of being able to put things on the gun where you want them and how you want them? Abso-freaking-lutely. Does it allow you to put the rifle up against a bipod sling or you know, tree barricade? Yeah, to use tree, tire, position, bumper, yeah. And not... And not impact your point of aim, point of impact. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, and that, and that's that's a really big deal. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, the ability to put a, a light on it, the ability to put maybe a secondary optic out front, the ability to put a um, maybe a laser or an IR laser designator or IR illuminator, different things of that nature that do need to be zeroed um, to some extent. You know, then understanding that you know it's going to give you that. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because one of the, it's curious that one of the like biggest complaints I hear about free float forends from guys second to cost, a lot of guys, you know, it's, it's an expensive proposition because generally a decent free float forend is 200 bucks and up from there, um, are the guys who came out of the Marine Corps and say like, well, if I can't take my hand guards off, how am I going to clean under there? And I'm like, oh, wow. Um, Wow. Yeah, I think wow. we get back into the yeah, Marine Corps destroying yeah, more rifles guns. Yeah. by cleaning than they do by shooting. Yeah, and so there's just some interesting things that come up with that um, that are that are really kind of non-issues in this day and age. Um, we're not we're not talking about passing a white glove inspection at Paris Island circa 1987. Um, we're talking about a, a gun that's a, a field you know a field usable um, home defense usable type of device, and and the idea of pulling the handguards off to clean the gun is honestly as armor level maintenance. Um, even though it's easy enough to do if you know how, it would still be considered armor level maintenance by almost any organized agency in the world uh, with just a few exceptions. So, you know, there's different things like that that kind of come up as that are actually non-issues. Um, so we'll quit picking on the front end and move to the receiver, bolt carrier groups, and the receiver itself. Um, the cheaper guns, you will run into issues with alignment of the barrel nut and the barrel um, going onto the front of the receiver where the threads are if it's not trued up and things of that nature, whereas the higher quality guns generally, that's something that they do before they finish the gun. 
they'll, they've got a jig that they throw it on real quick that just grinds the front of that receiver down and, and trues it up and makes it a face perpendicular, etc. Um, the, the, the less expensive manufacturers are simply not doing that. That's a step they're skipping, and it makes a difference if you want an accurate gun. The receiver itself, the quality, what features, maybe you want a forward assist, maybe you don't. I don't think not having a forward assist is the end of the world like on, a, on an older M&P sport. Um, but it's also one of those things that if all else is the same and the price is the same, I'd rather have it than not. Um, pushing past that is the top rail. Is it flat? Is it to spec? Uh, when you go to mount things on it, are you going to have any problems with that? If you're buying, a, you know, again, that Smith, that Colt, you're not going to have a problem there. A cheaper gun, we've seen it. We've absolutely seen problems with, with the specs on the rails. Um, but the bigger part of all this, I'm going to say, is probably the bolt carry group. Um, BCGs, e even from really good companies. We recently had uh, one of our one of our tribe that we trained with had a uh, bolt carry group from a premium company that has a reputation for making better than mil spec tools. Um, had a situation where uh, received a a new top end for a gun that he purchased, and the actually the carrier key the, the screws were loose on a brand new bolt carry group. Even though they were staked. They Even were though, yeah, they, yeah, which is which which speaks to a larger problem with their QC at this point in time. Um, and I'm not going to pick on this company because this company is a company that has a long, long reputation of making very good quality products. But it was just interesting to see that the screws weren't tightened down properly and then were staked. And the gun would run until, you know, would run for the first, what do you say, 100 rounds or so? Yeah, until it got dirty. Until it got dirty, and then it just wasn't getting enough gas to make it cycle. So, it, you know, it can't happen even with good companies, but that's one of the things you're paying for. Um, bolt carrier groups from Bravo Company, bolt carrier groups uh, from companies like uh, Daniel Defense, bolt carrier groups generally from Colt, uh, bolt carrier groups from Aero Precision. Aero Precision, you know, all seem to be put together properly, staked properly, etc. Um, they use, you know, grade eight hardware because you do need that, that tougher hardware. It's, a, it's something that's going to get heated up and cooled down and heated up and cooled down. And then the assembly aspect of it, it are, are the bolts staked and things of that nature. Um, you know, and those, those things all come into play. So in, in a cheaper gun, maybe you're not getting that, um, or you're not getting the QC in, in assembly, even if the parts are made out of the right stuff, like 158 Carpenter and things of that nature. So uh, you know, that's, that's a big part of the conversation. Um, jumping from the upper receipt, anything to, to add? To go back to, you know, especially in the bolt, you know, having a bolt made out of 158 carpenter steel that's properly heat treated, um, that's been, um, bead blasted and things, mm -hmm. um, is really important from a longevity standpoint. Um, your, you know, bargain basement gun show bolt, uh, a lot of times is less than a thousand rounds and you've got lugs and things coming off of it. Sure. Or, um, yeah, I mean, you know, literally catastrophic failures of the bolt carrier group in some fashion. Yeah. Because it's not stress relieved and stuff. Not made out of proper metal. Not, like you said, not heat treated, not properly stress relieved. That is definitely something that we saw a lot of with cheap bolt, with cheap BCGs. Yeah. yeah. Um, also be aware that, you know, your bolt um, is eventually a consumable item. Yep. Um, so having a spare one of those, a quality spare bolt around is probably a good idea. Yes. Yeah, the, like I said, a lot of that's probably when I talk about homemade guns. Um, that's probably the other big chunk of I, I won't say the other fifty percent of failures, but I'll say maybe the other twenty-five to thirty percent of failures out of home-built guns is somebody who saved a little bit of money on the BCG and bought something that was lesser quality. And it could be something as simple as the gas rings that manufacturer put on were crap. They were just cheaply made gas rings. I can't fathom there are eleven billion companies making gas rings. 
but there's got to be somebody making crap ones and somebody making good ones because I see, again, on the higher quality stuff, I see them last a lot longer. So, um, you know, again, Bravo Company, Daniel Defense, um, if you want to go crazy, Knights Armament and some places like that make some exceptional quality products at ridiculous prices, but there are premium options out there as well, too. So, um, anything else on the top end without getting to op well, optics, since we're talking about that top rail? Yeah. Um, one of the guns we sold a lot of here recently, uh, Smith & Wesson's putting out a, a, a Sport 2 with the Crimson Trace Optic. Again, if you're buying that gun as just purely a dollars proposition, then you have an optic on it right out of the gate. That's fine if it's a recreational tool. Um, if your budget's not going to allow you to buy a, a Trigicon or a even a hollow sun or, or one of the U S optics dot optics, you know, something that's on the less expensive side of things. Um, if you're, you know, an EOTech, something like that, if you're, if your budget's not going to let you jump right into that, at least you have an optic on the gun to begin with, but understand that you're still paying for that in the price of the gun. And might you have been better off to save those pennies and put them toward a better optic. Um, if you're buying it purely as a recreational tool, or you just simply do not have the dollars right now, then that's a different conversation. You know, enjoy the gun. It's probably going to do everything you need it to do. Yeah. Uh, one of those kind of kind of rifles in you know, an optic at a price point where I definitely want quality backup sights on yep, the gun. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and quality backup sights can be plastic magpul backup sights. They're going to serve the purpose. So you've got a real front gas block. And you can't put it on it because it'll melt um, because it's just a silly thing to have a real front gas block. Did we mention that? It's silly. Um, jumping from there into, because we could beat up on optics all day long. I'm going to I'm gonna short circuit that and just leave that Save alone that for that. For yeah, that's a stop in the shop and talk to us. Um, the, the bottom end of the gun, um, you know, again, that value proposition gun, the Colt, the Smith is probably going to be good to go. Curiously enough, and almost exactly the same price point, it's Ruger. Um, I'm going to revisit beating on Ruger. I know it's a dead horse. They're probably half rotted. Um, I have a stick in my hand. I'm getting ready to beat him again because um, it fits this conversation. Pinholes, trigger pinholes not being lined up in small QC issues. I like Ruger. I like Ruger products. I like Ruger as a company. Ruger should stop making centerfire semi-automatic rifles entirely. They should stop, go far away, not do it. They should not, not, not do it. Um, if anybody's listening at Ruger, please, dear God in heaven, stop making centerfire semi-automatic rifles. Okay, cool. Or go learn how to make them properly. Or go learn how to make them properly. I don't know if Anderson's making their lowers for them or what's going on there. Um, the So you have bought a gun that's essentially the same price as a Sport 2. You find out that the reason why your trigger pins walk out of your Ruger um, it's because the pinholes weren't lined up properly or weren't milled to the correct size or were finished improperly or something or like that. you can't put standard mill spec accessories on the gun. Yeah, in any way, shape, or form because they Rugerified the, the, the freaking screw system on the front end, the barrel nut system, and did it their own way. Um, you're not you're not Sinatra. Um, you don't need to do it my way. You can do it the right way. So, um, so, But again, that puts us in that conversation around that value proposition gun it seems like a price point gun, but it's creating more problems than it's solving, even with something as simple as the lower receiver. So, you know, be, be aware of that. That also creates issues down the road if you want to upgrade your gun and put something like a good trigger pack in it. Will the pinholes line up? If you have a unitized trigger pack, like a CMC or something like that, um, will the pinholes even line up? Will you be able to get pins in it if they're that bad, which has been the case in a few that we've seen? And then also, if you go and buy something like a Geisley or something like that, that is a user-installed multi-part kit, that's not unitized, the pinholes don't line up, and you have a $240 trigger that still feels like a $25 mil spec out of a parts kit trigger, 
because it doesn't line up. And then you want to talk to the gun store and say, well, this Geisley trigger feels like crap. Yeah, well, it's because your pinholes aren't lined up and the surfaces aren't engaging the way they're supposed to. Um, it ain't the trigger hoss. So be aware of that. Um, additionally, what other parts are included with it? Um, on, on some of the value proposition guns, cheap grips, fragile, cheap yeah. grips, um, s- fragile, cheap safeties. I, I'm not anti-plastic safeties on ARs because there are some good ones out there. Um, for example, I think like the, Magpul makes a, yeah, Magpul makes a Nevesky. Combo. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a solid device. Um, you know, but then, you know, you get into some of the other parts out there. There are some, you know, what, what did you call it? Is it Afghanium? Afghanesium. Afghanesium or Pakanesium or, or whatever the case was, um, where you get into just pop metal accessories and stuff like that. There are guns being shipped for seven dollars $800 retail that have parts in them like that that just do not hold up. Never mind getting into the back end of the gun. We start talking about the lower receiver and the buffer tube system. Um, buffer tubes being commercial rather than, or yeah, being commercial rather than mil spec. Um, God only knows what they're made out of. Um, you know, the buffer itself exploding, being made out of crap and not being put together properly or made out of whatever they want to make it out of on that particular yeah. day. Um, and it could be, you know, crap, we're out of tungsten weights. Jimmy, run out back and grab a handful of gravel. You know, oh, look at that. We're out of roll pins to hold this little rubbery thing in. Hey, Jimmy, go get a coat hanger. We'll jam that in there. It'll be fine. The guy who buys this probably isn't going to put 200 rounds through it, you know, kind of thing. If you're actually going to use it and stake your life on it, having the, you know, a buffer that's not full of gravel put together with a coat hanger um, is probably, you know, a good thing to have. So never mind again that the stock might be some kind of knockoff or piece of crap. Um, you know, it, it matters. Those things all matter. Yeah, so. I would say the the stock in particular. Um, you know, I'm looking at a Colt 6920 on the wall right now. It's got a called super generic you know adjustable stock with a with a sling mount from 1974 on it yep uh, you know we start trying to put trying to make the rifle you know a viable home defense or patrol rifle um, the stock becomes one of those things that almost has to get upgraded yep um, to run you know a modern quick detach system or even get you know a sling um, woven through one of the holes in the stock in a position that allows it to, to hang the way we want to. Yeah. Uh, for call it, you know, a modern gunfighting approach with the rifle. Absolutely. And guys, you know, you can watch the videos out there. There's some super high speed dudes out there who, who run slings in, in some very old school ways. Um, I'm going to help you out. You ain't Frank Proctor. So if Frank Proctor is running one of his slings through the top round um, on an AR stock, which I, there's some videos out there, him running, you know, his sling system, just wrapping it through the slot at the top of the, the stock on an M4. That's cool. Frank Proctor, uh, you know, was like a legit shooter at some point. If you weren't, you know, a Green Beret or a D-Boy or something like that, um, you know, finding a better way to do that is going to give you more comfort. It's going to give you, you know, just a better ride in general um, figured out. Just because you saw some cool guy running something that was set up from 30 years ago, doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best option. It just means that dude could probably make a soup spoon work and doesn't need everything set up. Or perfect. a flintlock. Or a flintlock or whatever. Lighter. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, so bear, bear those kind of things in mind. Um, just cause you saw, you know, somebody doing it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best option. And, and, and honestly, if you had a conversation about it in depth with that person, they would say, Oh, well, that's just something I keep around, you know, <coughs> or X, Y, Z, you know, there's some reason for it that they could probably explain to you that makes sense at that point 
but it's probably contextually driven. So understand that. So, um, you know, and like I said, guys, uh, we, we've really kind of just skimmed the surface here of the why of this, but it's just something that we think is relevant to today's market. There's just a lot going on where there are a, a lot of manufacturers just trying to force stuff to the market, trying through sheer will to get guns out where people can buy them right now because things are so crazy and honestly they need the money. And and so if you're not buying that better quality gun where QC is something that they're just not willing to deviate from, you can get yourself in trouble. So that's that's all. This isn't meant to preach or pick on any brands or anything like that specifically. It's except just, for Ruger. Ruger yeah, except for Ruger. Yeah, well, again, Ruger semi-auto centerfire rifles. Generally, yeah. everything else Ruger does may not be the sexiest product out there, but it generally works, um, is reliable, and they have great customer service. So phenomenal company. They just did I mention that they shouldn't make centerfire semi-auto weapons? Okay, cool. One more time, Ruger shouldn't make semi-auto centerfire weapons. Cool. Um, sorry, Ruger. Love you. Yeah. Um, another just couple things to to be on the aware of. Be aware of. Um, Anything with a fore-end or attachment slots that are not M-Lock um, at this point of the game, you're kind of just setting yourself up for... Some heartburn. Either a lot of heartburn or an inavailable... Un, not being able to get what you're looking for. Inevitability. It won't be easy, is what he's trying to say. It won't be easy. Sorry. Uh, you know, key mod's still a somewhat viable option. Um, there's still a number of companies making things for key mod. Um, you're definitely not going to have the selection. Um, new accessories and new designs for things are generally not made in Keymod. Yeah. Um, Picatinny is also still, you know, a, a super viable option. It's just heavy. Um, it acts like a cheese grater on your hands when you're grasping the weapon and trying to run it hard. Um, yeah, Mlock is is the future. Mlock is now. <laughs> um, Long live yeah. the king. Any, anybody who's doing something other than um, M-Lock, Picatinny, or Keymod should just be avoided like the COVID. Well, or just understand what it is you're up against. Understand that, you know, you've got something that you're, you're up against a little bit. Of, you're going to create some problems down the road you're going to have to solve. That's all. You know, it didn't end of the world. It just is. So, yeah. So, uh, last thing I'll throw out. Magazines. Some of these cheap guns come with some crap mags. Um, definitely want to throw out the advice that if you're going to do, you know, if you're buying a less expensive gun... Um, you know, for the time being, maybe still get out and get some P mags, get some Lancers, get some good quality mags. Um, you know, they're, they're out there. So, and if you're looking for an aesthetic, um, over quality, if you want metal mags, if you just think metal mags are cool, um, that that's fine too, but just understand what it is you're buying and why, um, if you're staking your life on it. Yeah. Get so. new, new generation, um, C products. Yep. Mags. Um, don't get the metal mags from the guy at the gun show that's had him you know, in his basement for the past 40 years after they got used four years ago. Yep. 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 So cool. That's all I really have on that. It's just, you know, understanding that value proposition, maybe being a little more patient, um, you know, and, and kind of avoiding that. I need it now impulse, uh, which quite honestly keeps gun stores in business. So let's forget this entire podcast and just spend your money anyway. Just spend your money anyway. Just spend your money. anyway. All right, cool. I don't know if that subliminally will work or not, but I just gave it a shot. Cool. Uh, yeah, on that note, um, please come visit us at the store. Uh, we're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, due to many Mike's tyrannical decrees, we are running COVID-related hours. Spend um, your money anyway. Spend <laughs> your money five, anyway. Tuesday through Saturday. 
Uh, we're also trying to limit it to four customers in the store at a time so people can properly social distance. Spend your money anyway. <laughs> Spend your money anyway. Uh, as long as they let us stick around, um, we'll be on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can find us at Cap City Outfitters on both of those social media platforms. Spend your money anyway. Uh, we're trying to use those as a means of telling you when we get cool things into the store. Um, yeah, other you know links and whatnot that we come across. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to the newsletter list. Um, lastly, check out our website, capcityoutfitters.com. Um, you can find important information on there, such as how to um, do an FFL transfer, and then how to do a suppressor purchase through our portal at silencershop.com. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Take care.